welcome to the Agency Podcast. Eugene here in Toronto. And Candy here in Chicago. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Candy. How are you doing? Good. Not bad. Not bad at all on a very warm day. But oh, beautiful it. hot day. Beautiful hot day. Yeah, it is for sure. And, um, you know, I lost a few pounds. I'm on my diet. <laughs> right on. Good for I'm, you. Yeah. But I'm at the place now where I really was going to start the diet. I think I got rid of the quarantine pounds. Ah. Now I just have to get rid of the pounds that were there before the quarantine. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, I've been sort of, I, I was a little bit worried because I was eating a lot of steak and chicken, as you know, and protein. And I thought, well, I'm really going to try and get some vegetarian restaurants, uh, not restaurants, res- recipes. So I made something interesting yesterday, which maybe Sheila would like. Um, I think I'm going to try to remember the ingredients off the top of my head. It was a broccoli soup. But it's done different because, you know, when you make soup, I usually saute everything. Mm-hmm. This was not saute. It was um, boil the, the broccoli and then one cup of almond milk. I think one cup of, I want to say buttermilk and half a cup of heavy cream. And then one cup of the water from the broccoli and 32 ounces of broccoli. Now, I don't have a measuring cup, so I was using a Starbucks cup. That I have here, <laughs> that my friend Karen gave us matching Starbucks cups, and I didn't really measure the broccoli when I made it. The photos of the recipe were bright green. I knew that mine was not that bright green, so I had to saute up some broccoli. What's weird about it is it tastes very contemporary, and I don't know if you've eaten in a lot of restaurants. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What does contemporary mean in terms I guess, of taste? I guess I want to say that there's a kind of um. As opposed to that deep cooking of like the long cooking of French food or Italian food, where you let a sauce stay all day, right? it tastes like it was just made. And I think that's, it's not a bad thing at all. And oh, a little bit of lemon juice, a couple ounces of lemon juice. So you've got that. Um, I hope there's buttermilk in there because I just said there was. Um, if you've got the combination of that, the almond milk, the cream and the lemon and, and salt and pepper. It's a very simple recipe. Um, and it was pretty good. I felt really satisfied after it. And it was completely different than anything I'd eaten before. It sounds really different. I can't it, imagine what it would be like. It was actually very good. Like a very, on oh, Parmesan cheese. That's the secret. Tons uh-huh. of Parmesan. Like it called for three quarter of a cup, but I, I filled up that Starbucks cup. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to cook more broccoli. So I think you should try it. And I will share that recipe, but I think it's worth trying because it is vegetarian. Well, we should uh, we should try it when you come visit. And, I know. Uh, pretty soon, huh? Pretty soon. I know. And Stag is going to be there, too. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a convergence. Although well, I'm going to be taking off. I'm going to Montreal for a couple of days. Well, that's okay. Yeah. And then, Stag and Stag and I will get into no end of trouble. And, exactly. And he has promised to not talk too much. <laughs> I told uh-huh. him you can't get there and be so excited that you don't stop talking. You have to, you have to relax. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I know that because it happens every morning. <laughs> he just talks. I'm like, slow down, slow down. I don't need to hear about the whole shift all at once. I had a little culinary adventure too. Did you? I Do did. Tell. Do tell. I I was uh, in my local fish place. We have a real, really nice fish retailer that's attached to the local fish wholesaler. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And they usually have, you know, really good fresh fish. And I went up there to get a piece of good fresh fish. 
Yeah. And what did I see? I saw a bag of PEI muscles. Oh, interesting. Rope grown muscles. And I looked at those muscles and I said to myself, self, you've been on this planet for over six decades and you've never made a muscle. Oh, wow. How could that be? Yeah, that's terrible. Self just looked back at me quizzically because (laughs) he really didn't know how I could have got through all these years without making muscles. So they were eight bucks a bag. And I thought, well, gee, if I was to buy a piece of fish for dinner, I would be spending more than eight bucks. I'll buy a bag of mussels. Sure. And try them out. It turns out an $8 bag of mussels is enough for about three people. Oh, wow. It's a lot. It doesn't look like a lot, but it's a lot. Yeah. So I ended up eating a lot of mussels because Sheila had no interest in my my muscle adventure. So I, I made them by putting butter in a pot, mm-hmm. putting a huge amount of chopped up garlic in the butter, Yeah, um, a whole pile of parsley, threw that right in. Mm, and That's a good idea. And then I put in about four cups of white wine. Oh. And I also chopped in two hot chilies. They weren't real hot chilies. They were like... Uh, uh, cayennes or Portuguese <laughs> chilies, you know, they're not that hot. Anyway, yeah. a couple of those, and I got that all going in the in the pan, and then I threw in all all the mussels after having gone through them all and fastidiously cleaned them, taking Ooh. all the little beards off where they existed and and like that, and uh, cooked them up. Doesn't take very long at all before they all open. It only takes a, just a few minutes and. And I can tell you that um, wood chips would taste good in the broth I cooked those mussels in. Oh, my God. Three cups of wine? Absolutely. Did you save yourself a glass to have with them? Of course. You know, so, my issue with the mussels, and I love them, and clams, is the bread. Because you want to dip bread into that sauce. I had toasted bagels okay, for just I that purpose. Bread, yeah. <laughs> and well, it's what I had. So. No, I know. But I'm just saying I'm trying not to eat bread. Well, I understand. So, but it is, you can't really have the mussels without the bread. You can't. Because sopping up the sauce is part of the deal. That's the best part. It absolutely is the best part. I love it. Yes. Now, having like beers and friends, I think, for with mussels would be good too, as opposed to solitary mussel feast (laughs) on the the back patio. Well, also, you know, I think of mussels as being very romantic and you're being passionate with your food. Do you really? I've never thought of mussels as being romantic. Do What's I romantic romant- about them? I think when you're going out for dinner, you have a romantic appetizer. I think mussels are kind of like, okay, you share it. You're dipping the bread so your fingers are going into the food together. I see. I mean, a family could certainly eat mussels, but I just think it's like... No wonder I've never been a really of- great romancer, huh? Because <laughs> it would never occur to me that, that mussels would be a romantic food. I wonder if our listeners would like to chime in on that. Oh, yeah. What is romantic food? Yes. What is romantic? If you're going to go out for a romantic dinner, what do you want to eat? We'd like to hear from you. (laughs) Send us that email now to theagency.podcast at gmail.com. So you don't forget, send it before midnight tomorrow. Operators on duty now. (laughs) I just looked up that recipe from the broccoli soup, and I think I did put buttermilk in it, and it doesn't call for it. Yeah, but it was probably better. For it the actually had a very good bitter taste with the lemon. So you really, and then the umami from the Parmesan was actually pretty good. But I'm going to try it again next time without that. But yeah, it was it was good. I do recommend it. 
is delicious. I'll share that. I took a couple of pictures too. So it's pretty delicious. <laughs> uh, this weather candy is so good for the garden. What's happening out there? Well, I've been eating bok choy for about four days. Wow. Uh, lettuce. Uh, I've been eating um, Swiss chard. It started. Mm. Spinach started. And plus, uh, I've got uh, planted. I have tomatoes, hot chilies, bell peppers, and beans, green beans. Uh, the nice. beans are just coming up now. Mm. So everything is growing like crazy out there. And I could tell you, it was really nice to just go out and pick my veggies for dinner. <laughs> I, I just love, I just love that. Yeah. Never mind that the cost of vegetables at my local no frills is astronomical these days. I know. It's pretty, pretty terrible. It's very expensive at the grocery store. Now the United States is like Canada prices. <laughs> you know, before it was really very inexpensive to go to the grocery store in a lot of ways. Now it's, it reminds me of Canada. <laughs> Same with go. the gas pump. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, the prices in the States are probably now more realistic than they were. They were too low. I don't know if they, I guess it was all the subsidies. I assume the government subsidizes gasoline for cars, you know, and now they're not so much. So it's getting closer to the same price. I think it's about $5.50 a gallon. Um, did I tell you last week I'm sort of starting a new hobby? In fact, I don't want to tell you everything about it, but you can see it behind me. Oh, right here. Do you see something hanging on my lamp there? Because Eugene and I have cameras on. So I've got some pale fabric with, um, I'm making something like um, a cover-up for the pool or the beach. Okay. And I've got a sewing machine I'm practicing on. Excellent. Yeah. Next so, thing you'll have, uh, you'll have that down and you'll have the Etsy thing up and uh, you'll be in business. There you go. It's crossed my mind. But um, yeah, I'm experimenting. I've just got scrap fabric around the house and... Um, a few years ago, one of my coworkers, I think I thought I was going to get into sewing and she'd given me some proper scissors and pins. So I've been able to dig all those out at long last. And I borrowed a sewing machine and. Uh, well, it's the best out. kind of hobby because you get to wear what you make. I know, right? Maybe I'll make you something. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I may wear it. <laughs> <laughs> I've made something for Stag. He's worn it before. Oh, okay. uh, I made him a scarf too. It's a fluorescent orange scarf. He gets a lot of comments for it. <laughs> like, is he going hunting? Um, yeah, so I'm <laughs> kind of excited that I was able to, um, Andy helped me thread the sewing machine last week. He found the manual online and kind of talked me through um, doing the bobbin and threading the machine. And I found it very not so scary, intimidating. I was mm -hmm. super intimidated before I started. I think it, once you get the, the technical part of that down, yeah. it's just like breathing. It really is all about getting that thing threaded. <laughs> and it's much easier. The machines are much easier and, and more um, streamlined than they used to be. Say when my grandmother was sewing things and trying to well, Didn't they things. used to be a uh, foot pump operated? It's still foot pump operated. But it's elect it uses electricity. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I think my grandmother had a sewing machine at one point that had this like cradle at the bottom. It was like a swing that you find outside all metal like iron metal and you were supposed yeah. to sit there and count your feet. I don't know how the hell she did that. She would have been a good drummer. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But um, no, no, no. It's been electric for a long, long time. 
even even back when my grandma I heard this 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 electricity stuff might just catch on it might yeah. <laughs> God and the internet yeah <laughs> well that's what I've been doing with my time is trying to find recipes for weight loss and exercise doing some exercise and um then just kind of I don't know looking at cars and I don't know. I watched a bit of TV, but I, I'm blank on it. Completely blank on what I was watching. I watched The Lincoln Lawyer. It was okay. Yeah. Yep. I started watching pieces of her with Tony Collette. Not so exciting. I'm not loving it, but uh, maybe it's going to get better. I'm on episode three, and that doesn't bode well. And now we're at the finale, the last four seasons of Ozark. So I watched one and a half of those last night. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. I can't watch another episode of Ozark. I think, well, this is it. This is, it's over now, right? It's going to end. Thankfully. Um, you know, I have to know what they're going to do. My prediction is Wendy's going to kill the husband, uh, Jason Bateman, and then her and Ruth will be like forever, like at war. <laughs> That's my prediction. Well, you know, when when I stopped watching it, it was because I realized they, they twisted that plot around so many times per second yeah. that it got to the point where I just didn't care what happened to any of them. It's funny that there's a maximum tolerance for um, plot. Yeah. It's, um, because it's also not good when, yeah, I don't like too much plot and I don't like too little plot. Although I, I'm famous for loving my European slow pan films that <laughs> Russian arc one take. <laughs> So I do like some slow. I like it. Sheila I like the mixture. I, I like we went the mixture. to see Russian Ark when it came out. We yes. were really excited to see it. Yeah. And for the first time in our history, we both fell asleep. Oh, both of you, huh? Well, <laughs> we, we both fell asleep. We don't know how long we were asleep before yeah. we woke up and, you know, crawled out of the seats and scurried away. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't have a normal pacing. I think it would be natural to fall asleep in it. I, I and think I think so. If you, if you watch it after, if you're tired and you're working, you, there's you a lot of just had film. dinner, you know. Yeah, all of those things are going to happen. I mean, I've fallen asleep in a very big action movie. It doesn't have any quality, any commentary on the film for me. If I'm tired, I'm going to fall asleep. Um, you know, but Russian Ark is experimental. It does have some slow bits. And it's it's that haunting voice, that voiceover. You know, he's talking in Russia at the Hermitage gallery and they're walking and it's very slow at least you can hear him better than you can hear robert patterson in batman <laughs> yes that's true <laughs> and i've somebody commented that we have to put the um the subtitles on to watch batman i was oh adamandia did i was like duh why didn't i think of that that's so i am idea. going to put the subtitles on to watch it <laughs> when i was a kid little boy my dad used to take me and my buddy to the wrestling yeah. And and we went once to, to the wrestling. It was really, really exciting because, you know, there was lots of fake blood and mm -hmm. everyone was breaking the rules and there were bad guys and good guys and all that. And my father, who worked crazy hours, he worked all the time trying to make a go of his little business. Yeah. And he still managed to take us out there to this stupid wrestling and <laughs> he fell asleep. Yeah. And not only did he fall asleep, he was he was snoring up a storm and people are shaking him saying, but 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 the sheik, he's got a foreign object. <laughs> and my dad would be, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back to sleep again. Yeah. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah. 
I think I told you one time, I mean, when you're busy working like that and you're overwhelmed, I fell asleep once, birthday party. I was responsible for the birthday party. I had several young children, about six years old, five or six years old, and my daughter, and we went to a movie for her birthday. And I had put them all in next to me, but I promptly fell asleep. It was the most horrible. I am the worst person on the planet. I fell asleep in the movie. No one moved. Thank God. But I mean, I would have been stretched out, but I still was like, when I woke up and snapped out of it, I was completely horrified. Wow. I mean, all those lives on uh, responsible. Really anything could have happened. Thanks, Eugene. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Anything could have happened. Fortunately, nothing it bad did happen. Yes. It was, you know, other families and kids there and the kids all sat in their chairs. Thank God. If they had stepped over me, yeah, we'd be in deep shit. Hey, do you know that this last week, the, uh, the I think it's the 20th to the 28th of May, is a very, very special week in this neck of the woods. And it's passed. What happened? Well, it was the annual Wimbro Watch. Is that a bird? It is. <laughs> it's, it's a bird that migrates from... It was South a bird or a banjo or a fiddle. I knew that. Okay. All right. So it's a bird that migrates from South America up to a staging area in either Virginia or South Carolina. Okay. okay. And then from there, it migrates in one day past Toronto on its way to its breeding grounds in the Arctic. So the bird geeks in Virginia and, 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 uh, it's on an island off South Carolina, I think. They get on the phone to the bird geeks in Toronto and they say, okay, we counted 1,450. They've left this afternoon. Wow. And then at Sam Smith Park, just down the street from me, there's a, a point that goes out into the lake that's known as Wimbro Point. And for those eight days, for the entire daylight of of those eight days, somebody is there, like somebody, but meaning like 15 people. Yes. <laughs> are there with their lawn chairs and they're counting wimbrels. Nice. Now, are they counting them twice? Or how do they know if they've already counted them? Well, they, once they fly north, they don't come back. Oh, so when they see a bird land, they count it. They actually don't land. Mostly they just fly over. Oh, I see. Oh, so okay. There was a flock of 700 of them one day. Wow. Occasionally some will land and they're a shorebird. They have these big, long, funny looking bills. Nice. Do they and sometimes along with them, there's dunlins and sanderlings and, and other shorebirds. But the exciting thing for the birders in our community is the Wimbro watch. And I believe, um, I believe this year they counted over 8,000 of them in the, in the eight days. Wow. That's amazing. And, That's a lot those eight days represent usually all the time that the birds are, um, are, are heading north. Wow. Beautiful. You know, you know, when I talk about stuff like this, you know what I think of, what? I think of the Facebook meme that every now and then somebody, <laughs> somebody posts about uh, women usually post about, about dating and you know, it's going to be a bad date when there's a, when there's a guy <laughs> with a picture of dead fish. Oh I yeah, I sort of feel like yeah. that when I'm talking about yes. like obscure That's stuff. A, like, well, birding. yeah, no, I like the bird stuff. I'm into I'm into birds. I don't know them all. I've had times in my life where I was really massively 
into bird watching. Um, I'm not so much into it right now, but having said that, I kind of am because there's an incredible, I got this Disney channel, right? And apparently I'm still subscribed to it. I thought I canceled it, but I didn't, which turned out to be okay because there's a couple of really amazing things on it. There's Boba, Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi. So Star Wars stuff on there, but there's also something else. There is, do you, did you ever watch Planet Earth? No, I haven't. But you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Well, they've made it like Planet Earth with David Attenborough narrating and it's prehistoric Earth, prehistoric planet. Oh, that's interesting. And the special effects are so insane that you're like watching a nature show, but about dinosaurs. And so, of course, it's bird watching, watching right? Because sure. many of these dinosaurs are related to our birds. They didn't go extinct. Somebody made a mistake. They thought they went extinct, but they never did go extinct. They still live on the earth. Um, the ones that flew survived. The Whatever the event was that killed off a lot of the dinosaurs, the smaller birds survived. The smaller dinosaurs survived. Anyway, it is fantastic. And some of these birds are so strange. The creatures in this are bizarre. Eugene, it's worth watching. And, you know, I've got that big TV, so it really looks fantastic. And... Um, the, you know, the T-Rex. There's there's so many dinosaurs in this thing swimming in deserts in the air, and it is gorgeous. And of course, just like any nature show, sometimes they eat another one. <laughs> well, that happens. Yeah, but there's cute little lizards. and Everybody's got to make a living. Yeah, it is really gorgeous, and I can't recommend it enough. It is totally worth getting Disney for that. It is so cool and scary. And all of the above. And I guess it's getting close to Jurassic Park in the theater, too. Do you do you like the Jurassic Park movies? I, I was good with the first one. Yeah. I just didn't think it was necessary to yeah. inflict that on us more than once. <laughs> well, yeah, it's good that you didn't go to the other ones then. Um, the third <laughs> one is interesting because it's almost like a low-budget scary film. Um, they do a lot with cameras and stunts rather than a lot of the special effects, although there are special effects in it, but it really does have an old fashioned feel to it. The third one, um, the new ones with Chris Pratt are really good. The new one with him is, is very, very good. Very funny, entertaining. Well, I am, however, very afraid of the dinosaurs. Um, yeah, but this one is so amazing because the one on, on, on Disney, they've got feathers on the Raptor on the Velociraptor. They have the feathers on it, the claw, um, they've got a couple of dinosaurs covered with feathers. One of the one of these dinosaurs, it hunts termites because its feathers can hear. They're like echo chambers or echo. Oh, cool. It's so amazing. And they show that. It, it's just so cool. I have a confession to make. Okay. I failed to watch Paddington 2 this week. I did too. I totally fact, forgot about it. I forgot about it. I actually forgot about it. How do we and both I, forget about it? I don't know. And I think I would have reminded, if I had watched it, I would have said, hey, have you watched it yet? But I actually totally forgot about it. Now I feel like, damn it, I want to go watch it again now. I was going to watch the first one and the second one. Well, I'll see if we could get it here. I don't know. It's $3 for me to watch it here. I have to rent it on Amazon okay. or something. That's but okay. I, I'll do that. I really want to, I'm so curious about it because of... Um, so we did another rental, and yes, uh, and I suggested that that Candy rent this one, uh, so we could both watch it. Is one that that I had seen before when it came out in two thousand and seventeen. Oh, you You're kidding yes, me! Yes, because it was available free online when it first came out for a few months. Oh, really? And this goes back to uh, Eugene and Obscure Pursuits. 
this is uh <laughs> this is a film called the surrounding game a film by a guy named will lockhart and who is the brother of ben lockhart he's the brother yeah 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 so ben lockhart is one of the people we follow in this documentary yes yeah. and it's Andy a documentary Lau. about a, a number of i want to call them kids they're, but they're I mean, kids. they're not they're not children, but they're uh, they're in their late teens, I would say. Yeah, I guess and, I call them kids, young people, young adults, young people. And they Utes. are youths. Youths. <laughs> um, they are the best go players in North America. Yeah. Um, but the the go association in North America was having trouble because they only had a couple hundred members and they knew there were lots more people playing Go and they wanted to um, make it more popular. So the, the American Go Association brought over a guy from South Korea, a nine down professional named Mung Young Kim. Mm. And he uh, looked at the situation and he said, what you people need is a pro league. Right. So this film is about the American Go Association's effort to create the first American professional Go League. Mm. And it follows these kids as they vie to become the first American professional Go player. Um, and you get to know the, the kids pretty well. You know, the the best player among them is a fellow named Andy Liu who has my favorite quote in the in the whole movie he says who wants to work in a corporation i know they all are really worried about working in a corporation yes and I, or a bank or a wall street or something which of course there seems to be some kind of a link that when you are a gamer if you're not going to code you're going to be doing math and you're going to end up being working for you know some financial institution or corporation or I guess you just take your degree and walk in the door of a big corporation. Yeah, they those three guys did not want to work for a big business sitting in an office. And I don't blame them. For me, this movie had a strange feeling is not far off from being an art student. Yes. And being very afraid your your job, what your passion is, is not going to make money. Generally. That's right. And even and, if you're at the top, the very top of your field, you still may be completely obscure to the rest of the world. You could be. And in fact, I would be willing to say that you could be the top of your field in art. That doesn't mean anyone's going to notice. You know what I mean? Like if every lawyer isn't, um, who's a famous lawyer? What's that asshole lawyer? Alan uh, Dershowitz. If you're not Alan Dershowitz and you're a lawyer, have you failed? If you're an artist and you're not Jeff Koons, are you a lousy artist? No, of course not. Um, the thing with the pro game of the, the of the gaming is at least you can go to a tournament and do it. Yes, but with Go, way, that's if, you're actually, the, if you're the best player yeah. in North America, yeah. you're still not a great player in the scheme <laughs> of things in, in Korea and Japan and China. Right. Um, so and we, we learn, we learn a lot about, about, different cultures in in this film and uh in china we learned that the the four traditional fine arts are music mm -hmm. painting calligraphy and go yes here, that here. Interesting? i i i loved it i really loved that and um i thought how beautiful um 
Yeah, that was in Japan. That was in China. Oh, China. But, okay, but they China, also Japan take us to Japan. Yeah. Ben Lockhart meets up with Michael Redmond, who is is the only American uh, professional Go player in Japan. Right. Um, he's been living there since he was in his teens. Yeah. Um, and he was a student of Go Sagan. So he takes right. Ben Lockhart to meet Go Sagan months, just a few months before oh, Go Sagan. I passed. had a big cry. I had a big cry. That choked me right up. Yes, that was because he was, scene. I mean, he was known to be the, well, the greatest of all time, right? The greatest he's, of all time, the greatest player of the 20th century. So, yeah, that was a beautiful scene. And I think it was humbling for Ben because I had the impression that that was his family. That was Go Sagan's family with him. Yes, I think women. so. And ben, Sagan, uh, and ben Lockhart, he really couldn't understand how he would ever have a family or a social life. I mean, all three of these guys were very um, comprehensive that they didn't have much interest or much to offer to a relationship. That's um, true. They had each other because they had Go together. So they would eat junk food and stay up late and drink coffee. And play Go. And I was thinking again when we were at art school, that's what we did. We that's drank so exactly. coffee. Yeah. And you know, we had topic about art. Okay, you argue about this artwork. Are you and, and these guys they argue and discuss go and they razz each other and and they really didn't think that Andy was going to be that good, that he was going to win. Um, and so we start with them preparing, I think, for this um this tournament that's going to happen. And it's yes. going to be one of the first. And then we also the first, meet, it was the first pro the first okay in 2012. And then we meet some of the guys behind it, the older guys, and they just talk a little bit about how they got into go. And there weren't very many people. They might meet at a park, or or a restaurant or something and play go. And they really really wanted more people to play go in America. And they just were having a really hard time happening. Um, and and you know it reminded me of the Somalia movie I told you about where you follow five sommeliers, students, they want to get this um, approval and you have to do a terribly difficult test in France to become a sommelier, to, to talk about wine and know the history of wine. And uh, this was very similar to me where, you, you know, you're going through this gauntlet. Was that, you, the, was that the film where, where the guy um, had the choice between running his dad's barbecue or trying to become a sommelier? Was that a different one? No, that was a good movie. Um, one of the people in the documentary was in that movie as a matter of fact but this is a documentary okay. and i think the documentary is just called psalm and i do recommend it it's very good we mentioned it back when we talked about the one that was a fictional one but this right. was a, a real documentary with guys who passed and failed and i mean the same thing their partners were like tired of this shit you know they're so obsessed and it's very strange when you're so obsessed about something it really does make you a misfit Yes. And there's a certain kind of sadness, especially about, I thought, Ben Lockhart and what he was doing. He he went to Korea because he was the best he could find yeah. around home. He wanted to get better. He wanted to study in Korea. So he had an opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. He's studying go with little kids. Yes. Like kids who are like six, seven. And they interview one of the instructors who says, well, the younger, the better. You know, five yeah. is a good age to start. But if if you're 13 and you're just starting, you're not going to be and a strong pro. And if you're 15, pro. you're done. Yes, you're it's done. over. It's over. All right. And uh, this guy, this guy is like 18, and he's studying with these kids. And you realize that 
he doesn't have a chance to beat the Korean pros ever, yeah. right? He's just too late off the mark. Yeah, it is. Right? No matter how good weird. he is. And, you know, for such a fascinating, um, you know, they're for being so compulsive about it, you do wonder what are they going to do? Where is their life now? I really did try to look him up and see. Um, at the end of the movie, they say he went to work for a corporation. Yes, and Andy Liu works in the financial industry. There's nowhere. Where else are they going to work with that kind of brain? I mean, they're geniuses. Exactly. All three of them or four of them. Are, they're all geniuses in the world of go. But they literally didn't even go to school anymore. Oh, and you know, it's very funny because I found it kind of shocking that in um, in in some other countries, the kids leave school and they just play go all day. Um, so yes, they have in in Korea. Uh, if you show talent and you're let's say five, six, seven, mm. they'll send you off to go school right. where typically the morning you cram whatever studies you can in right. the morning. And then from afternoon till so late ten, at night, you at study night. go. Yeah. And so you give up a good chunk of your education in other areas. You leave and become, your family. Yes, totally. And you become so totally specialized. And I mean, it's an environment that would have to make any good old misfit, even more of a misfit, wouldn't you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, there's um, it was it was a bit like the monks when they go off, they leave to be a Buddhist monk. You leave your family when you're very young, at times. Well, and and it's the same situation with any prodigy. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I liked all the bowing in the movie. I liked when they bow before the game. Um, yes. I have a lot of bowing in my life, like um, <laughs> at the Tibetan temple. In the Tibetan lineage, you bow. Well, in all of them, you do. You do in the Japanese American one at Jodo Shin as well. But most people just bow from the, the waist down. In Tibetan one, we get right down on the floor. <laughs> like the floor, that's the measurement. And then I do a lot of bowing with, uh, what else? Oh, like at rock shows, if I'm taking pictures, I'll get right down on the floor and take photos. Because you look at the world in a different way. Sure. And then I like to watch TV on the floor too. <laughs> Did you notice that when they before they start a game of Go, um, one player, uh, they show you one scene of it. One player puts down his his hand yes. and the other puts down his hand and yes. they both remove their hand. And the one guy has one stone and the other has a group of stones. Yeah. So what's happening? That's called Nagiri. And the one player was would put down either one stone or two stones, odds or evens. Okay. And then the other player throws down a bunch of stones and is it going to be odds or evens? So and that's how you decide who goes yes, first? Yes, they're deciding on who's black, who's white. Yeah, I couldn't it's, see what they were putting down, how many they were putting yes. down. It's, black is an advantage in the game of Go because you play first. Right. And so it's thought to be anywhere from a six and a half to a seven and a half point advantage. So, well, he won. Typically, there will be... uh, And he was black. Typically, there'll there'll be uh, what's called a Comey for white. And that means that whatever the Comey is assigned, and again, usually six and a half or seven and a half points. Right, what is Comey and what are the points? Okay, uh, the game of Go is about surrounding territory. Yes, so that's and why it's called the surrounding game. 
That's right. And it's played on a grid and the grid is 19 lines by 19 lines. And the grid represents the universe. And in fact, in the film, they, they pan up to the night sky and you see all the, the intersections between the stars are like a, are like a go board. Uh, so it's, it's our universe, 19 lines by 19 lines. And you decide you can understand where you are in the universe by the points, the intersections of the grid. Right. And Go has a very, very simple rule. That is, you can play a stone anywhere as long as it has at least one free intersection beside it. And those free points are called liberties. And for your group to become immortal, your group has to completely surround two separate spaces of territory. Then by the rules, your group cannot be destroyed. Right. So both players alternately play stones onto the board um, in order to try to, to surround the most territory. And you want to try to do it as efficiently as possible, but your opponent has a different idea. Your <laughs> opponent doesn't want you in an area that you've played in and might attack your stone there right. because your opponent might want that area uh, because both players are vying for the available territory in the universe. Mm -hmm. So uh, Komi is what's the, it's the number of points of territory that are given by default to white at the start of the game. So at the start of the game, white okay. will be ahead six and a half to nothing or seven and a half to nothing, depending on what right. the Komi is. Right. So how's that for a long-winded answer well, to- That's good because if somebody doesn't know the game, we kind of have to have a little bit of help understanding that, you know? Yes. Um, I enjoyed, I was aware of that legend about Go becoming from the sky, um, mainly because, um, well, for one thing, in the, one of the chapters in the book I'm working on is called um, the, the Giant Go Game in the Sky, Making a Literary Object. So one of the things I'm trying to describe in that is that the Go Game is like stupas and other some other artifacts and, and, and literature that has a, um, rep a relationship allegory to the sky. So I liked it when they showed those stars and the grid and everything. I was like, yes, I'm on the right track. <laughs> well, it's a very aesthetic game as well. I'm glad and, you mentioned that. And both, both players have to contribute to that um, in order to create. Every game is different. So yeah. the two players together create a game. And that game can be incredibly beautiful and complex and poetic, um, violent. It could be so many different things. In the film, they have one of the great Japanese players, Yamayuta, uh, speaking, and he says, handing down this beauty is as important as winning prize money. Yes. There's also something else that happens in the film, and this really stood out for me, was because I was familiar that it's, it's considered an aesthetic game and poetry in some ways. And um, you know your partner when you play it, your opponent. Um, but they said at one point that you cannot play like Go Sagan anymore, the greatest player in, in the 20th century, because it's all about winning. So the aesthetic has disappeared. 
to some degree. It, the aesthetic it's changed. Is, no, it's changed. Uh, yeah, of course it changed. But uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you because they say that part that used to be in the what we would know in, in older games is gone because the patterns are different now for achieving land or achieving I think, territory. I think historically what happened was that the the Japanese were the were the best players they by far although the game was invented apparently in China uh Japan really elevated the game yes. it had many many great players and they developed a way of playing which was a very balanced very poetic beautiful aesthetic way of of playing and in the last i would say half a century um, we saw the rise of, of Chinese and Korean players, and particularly the Korean players had a much different idea about how to play the game. And it was a much more aggressive way of playing. And so rather than both players mapping out tasteful bits of territory, um, the great Korean players started attacking, violently attacking groups. And... Um, huge battles ensued and it became a much different way of playing and some people think that that is somehow a less beautiful way of playing i don't know that that's true right i think it's just they're not they're just going for it and the, the guys that we follow in the film said they basically mm -hmm. take that on too they're not worried about how it looks anymore um maybe they were when they were kids or something you had the idea that they just knew if they were going to win a tournament they were going to win their opponent they had to play just to win just to win not to fill up time not to spend time not to they play fast too my god one of the things that happened as chinese players and korean players became stronger um, is they also had a, a great deal of government sponsorship Hmm. Um, yes. they, you know, it was a, it's a tremendously popular game. It may not be popular here, right. but it's probably the most popular game on the planet. And uh, there was quite a lot of interest in the governments of, of Korea and China and their go associations yeah. in promoting the game. And it leads to the, the question, does government sponsorship lead to the development of great players? And can we also ask the question, does government sponsorship of art lead to the development of great artists? Well, I don't know if there's a one answer. I think it, it depends on the people, depends mm. on the artists and it depends. I think it could, but I don't think it guarantees it by any means, not at all. And I think, I, um, however, that doesn't mean I don't think that there should be sponsorship. I'm a big believer that I think there should be. I think everyone should have universal income, period, which would, that would, cover our, that would cover our basis for artists as well as poets and musicians. We wouldn't have to worry about it. Um, it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't take care of every bill, but it would definitely make sure you, you could have rent and food. Mm -hmm. And then you make decisions on, on your life after that. Um, if you had to do something to make money, to make art a little bit, you wouldn't have to do it 40 hours a week. You probably could get away with 10 to 12 hours a week. And, um, you know, I, so does that mean, what makes a great artist? It, it doesn't matter if it's grants or not. A great artist is um, making us feel emotional with their artwork, right? And with their music. So I don't think anything's gonna, I think the only thing that that would help is take a little bit of stress off of the artist. However, there is some, <laughs> there is some 
motivation and having a little bit of tension in your life. You know, that's you, true too. You do. I, I wish it wasn't to make ends meet, mm. but you know, I think having to get a job for 12, 15 hours to make art and pay for your art would be motivation enough and enough to push you to the edges. Um, you do want to have, you do want to be a somewhat, for lack of a better word, ambitious person. There's really, I don't, it doesn't work well if you're not a little bit ambitious sure. and motivated because um, you're going to have it in a closet. I know lots of people who are passionate about art and they don't make any art. They want to, and they keep saying next week or next month mm. when I clean my room up. Oh, when yeah. I take it out of the basement, when I take it out of the attic, I'm like, there's no time like the, like the now. Well, yes. You know, artists aren't people who look at a particular way or who have particular personalities. They're quite simply people who make art. Yeah. Um, I don't like the idea of a government um, imposing us to make statements and, and theoreticize theoretical arguments about our artwork, why it should be given money or anything. I think that's bullshit. Well, and there's also um, lots of problems with, well, Canada tried a granting system for artists in order to try mm -hmm. to promote and support artists. And it was probably positive for a few people. Yes. And it was a way to get some some money and get by for some other people who may or yes. may not have been um, yes. inspired by that. I don't know. You know, and if you move to a small town in Canada, you're going to have a better chance of getting a grant. When we're all rooted in Vancouver and Toronto, where all the culture, where so much you've got other kindred spirit, not that there aren't kindred spirit in a small town, but if you're in, um, you know, Churchill, Manitoba, if you're in Regina, you're going to have a better chance to get that grant than if you're with hundreds of people in Toronto, because it's dispersed across the country. So in that way, that's not quite working. It's almost like you have to have more grants in Ontario, then you, you should have 100 grants in Regina, and then have a 1000 in Toronto or Ontario. But it's like six grants across each province. So it, it that's not really a web that's going to work either. In the film, the, uh, the American Go Association has the idea that with their the sponsorship that um, mm. uh, Meng Young Kim was able to secure for them, uh, they were their plan was to to take their first professional and sponsor that that professional to play in five tournaments, five major tournaments in Asia, and they were able to secure invitations for the American champion essentially yeah. to enter yeah. uh, into those tournaments. Uh, so at least they would have a chance to play on a world stage. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know how they're all doing. There's several uh, AGA professionals now. This The movie was 2017 and there's several now. I know one of them, a fellow named Ryan Lee who lives in New York uh he is now um i think he's ranked 3p so he's uh he's his rank he's been promoted in his rank because he's done very well in international tournaments right so uh we are seeing some of the american players show that they can um they can play with the best players in asia which is kind of cool very uh, cool i think at the same time hey. There's more and more servers available uh, and more online to play 
to play Go with people all around the world. Like I can mm-hmm. sign into my uh, my OGS account and play a game right now. Yeah. It, it only takes a minute to get a, a, a competitor who could be anywhere, depending mm-hmm. on the server that you use. And as well, there's a ton more resources available. When I started playing Go, there were a few Japanese books that were translated kind of poorly. And, you know, the books weren't even maybe all that great. Uh, Now there's a ton of video resources. Yeah. So you can um, use several YouTube channels, which you can view for free to watch countless lectures about how to get better at the game, which definitely wasn't available when I started playing, that's for sure. Otherwise, I would have got much better, much faster. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, you know, I got pretty inspired um, yesterday because it occurred to me to find out how many Go clubs there are in Chicago, and there's quite a few. And then I found one that is on hiatus because of the pandemic. They were playing in a restaurant in a cafe. Mm -hmm. That's where they met up and they can't play there because the restaurant doesn't exist anymore. So I actually emailed them and said, I might have a location for them for free. That's big and safe. And I'm wondering if I, if I'll hear back from them because I'm thinking of the temple. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because we've got a great big, huge common room. And uh, you know, they could definitely bring lunches and hang out there if somebody was, you know, from the temple and sat with, you know, got them in there. If I were the agent, if the agency podcast assignment editor, (laughs) I would be sending you out to one of these go clubs to turn on a a recorder and take a lesson All right, and record the lesson and have a talk with people who are enthusiastic about the game. All right. Let me see what I can do. Um, You know, I got to get my car because they're all around the city. They're not anywhere. I don't think there's, there are a couple on the South side. Yay. South side. I did notice one was at 47th street. That's not far at all. It's very close to Michelle and Megan actually. Okay. So that's in back of the yards. I might be able to go over there. And I think there was one at 65th too. Well, I'll, I'll check it out. I did go look though after the movie. Isn't that funny? I got very curious what's going on in Chicago with go. And I want to remind us both that, this, the, there was two professionals in that tournament. There was the first place, and then there was a, the runner-up or whatever. Yes. He was Canadian. Oh, really? I didn't realize he was Canadian. I believe he was. I looked him up, and he's Canadian. Interesting. Isn't it? I think Ryan Lee may be Canadian as well. Ah. I cannot remember the name of the guy. Shagan? Shugan? Go Sagan? Who, who was, huh? Go Sagan, the older Japanese No, no. Go Sagan, I can remember. The, the young man that was second. Oh, I don't remember. He his also name. got one Dan, but he didn't. But Andy beat him. Yeah, you know. And then I was happy to see there were some women involved. I mean, they weren't the center of the story, which is fine. But you know, you're thinking about this, this culture where this society where it's just so, you know, where are they? And I mean, even when they're walking and moving, you can just see that they're a little bit like the Big Bang Theory. You know, you're just like, oh, I want to protect them because they're so passionate and out of almost out of touch. And, like, and kind of fragile I, in a way. Kind of fragile. They definitely don't fit into a normal version that any kind of normal version of of society that they don't know what the heck they're going to do. And you're right. It, I felt like I felt as a young artist, yeah. you know, what, what am I getting yeah. myself into yeah. here? And, you know, you're every person, you know, they're going to be measuring on whether they, you know, it's pretty hard to be with an artist if you're not an artist. And it's it's pretty hard to be maybe married to an artist. 
I don't know if it is or not, but um, I would think it would be. You'd want to hope that you had many things in common. I would have to guess. I don't know. Or, or music or something that they'd have to be understanding because you yes. do want to spend some of your time by yourself making things. And that's think, not always the best thing for raising children. <laughs> do you think it's possible to take something not part of a culture and make it part of a culture just through, you know, the, the AGA is, is they've just decided we're going to popularize go. Yeah. And so they've, they've taken some interesting steps towards doing it. Mm -hmm. um, there's also in Seattle, there's a, the Seattle go center, which has um, lessons and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I think they received uh, a gift of some funds to set that up. Um, so these guys are really trying to popularize Go in America. And I wonder if they'll be successful beyond making it a bigger fringe. Right. I don't know. I mean, I, I would say it is still fringe. I'm wondering how many of our listeners will even understand what we're talking about. And that's okay, too. I think they might feel that way all the time. <laughs> But I mean, it's still a fringe activity, I think. Um, although I did see at least eight clubs, I thought, in Chicago. So I was very surprised by that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you can. I think people do it all the time. Look at Pokemon. Look at um, video games and dance clubs and pop music. That's totally taking over a culture. That's um, true. So do you think they need better marketing? But it's well, it's also it's a very cerebral activity, you know. It's something that that combines it rewards creativity and analysis simultaneously. Well, I couldn't help but feel that you know, with all the bullying and unhappy kids out there, that if there was an you know the chess movie we watched seemed to give a lot of passion to kids that maybe they didn't find a way to fit in. They're not going to be cheerleaders. They're not going to be like me. They, they might not, they might be artists or they might be something if we had go in school and I, it would take doing a volunteer system. I'm pretty sure. You were well, not whenever we it. watched that, that chess that's movie about that's, the, that's, that's what high I said. School. Yeah. That's what I said. If yeah. you could take that, the go game into schools, is it not possible? And you know, one of my ideas is like you have seniors or retired people volunteer to be at a school and either they're doing the lunch program or doing go games or chess tournaments or something. Maybe, uh, maybe those community members would notice when someone's being bullied at school. We need something that it's just not on the teachers being able to monitor. Parents and teachers don't see what kids are doing when they're by themselves for 10 minutes. They have no idea that, that these kids are being tormented. And then they get a gun and they go to school and they shoot the other kids. You know, it's true that having gun control would help. It definitely would reduce school shootings, but it, but on top of all that, we have to reduce the bullying because that's really the common thing that's happening with these guys. And so something I'm thinking, like you see this um, world of go where you're intensely hanging out with other people and you've got a decent activity there. You know, it's not it's just, true. You, you know, know the horrible. problem with, with the, that activity though, is that the commitment required yeah. to, to get to a point where, it starts to become really fun is not an insignificant 
yeah. commitment. And yeah. in fact, I've for years, I've said, I will teach anyone who's interested <laughs> to play Go. And right. I've even posted on my blog. If anyone is interested, I'd be happy to teach you. You're to play. right, though. It takes hours one yes. day a week, at least hours so, one day. So a week. In, in recent people years, don't have that. three people have said to me, yeah, I'd like to learn. I know. And um, I don't think any of them got past 10 minutes in. You know, I could see their eyes glazing over and and losing interest and can't sit still. And it's just, this is not for me. And, well, and I think it's lives, not for a lot of people. Right, but their lives are already full. They're already busy with families and friends. Um, what does this say on, on, this, on this Go page? It says, um, it's a Chinese proverb. And the translation is, use Go to meet friends. There you go. Yeah, and I just think that if you've already got friends and you're already older and your mind is maybe very, I would think Go would be very good to fight um, memory loss and Alzheimer's and all of that. I would think it would be. Um, and to keep your mind lively. Um, I don't know if there's any research on that, but definitely if kids could, kids who are already unique at school because they are, they're, all kids are unique, but they're already feeling a bit of misfit. Something like Go, where it takes five hours, four hours of that energy where you're lonely, you, you're not hanging out with your parents or, mm -hmm. you know, something like that could be very good for kids. Like to that engage creatively problem. and to learn. Yes, yes. The, the nice yes. thing is that you can, there are servers that you can sign up on and you can go online and play at any time, night or day, you can find opponents somewhere in the world. That is true. That is true. I am thinking of those kids that are outsiders in the school, you know, having something that gathers them up. And, you know, it doesn't have to be go, it could be guitar. But uh, I would I would say that we need some kind of volunteer um, apparatus happening in at least in USA schools. I mean, Canada has shootings, but here there's got to be some other extra apparatus in there. too. Well, there's something else at play in in America. You know, other countries may have a school shooting or two school shootings, but there are no other countries in the universe that have had 270 of them this year. Yes. Like, well, this is just, just get your brain around that. What is what is going on in America? Bullying, bullying in school and easy access to guns. So it's a terrible, malignant combination. But those guns aren't being used. Their kids have a real reason why they're upset. And unless some keeping on calling them mentally ill is bullshit, they're actually, it's a terrible way to live. And to have be tormented at school, almost all of them have been bullied. Almost all of them. And we probably need to uh, sue the parents. Um, in Columbine, the parents were made to pay out. Uh, they had a civil lawsuit put against them and they had to pay out a million or two million dollars and i mean you know it was a kid killing kids that's the worst part you know maybe sandy hook oh no he was a kid too so you've got kids killing kids it's it's they're pissed off and if they don't have any way to have someone to talk to about it or find out other friends that have weird interests with them and they're going to these schools where fucking, you know, whoever is bullying them and they're doing it. Teachers can't see it. They find it online later. And they, when they interview the kids, it turns out they were bullied and the combination of easy guns and parents are buying these kids guns. I hate to say this. Yes. Um, and some people may be upset when I do, but you know, 
I worry about my friends who live in America today. I worry about them. And sometimes the crazy amplified killing atmosphere located in America makes me think, I don't even know if I want to visit. Well, I don't know if I, I want to be there. And, one, and I love my yeah. friends who are, who yeah. are Americans who live in America, but it's just, it seems like it's just got too scary. It seems to me that it might be an idea for people to tell the United States en masse, just stop buying plane tickets here and don't come here for holidays until the United States changes their laws. That's another thing that could happen. Change the gun control and do reparations. I mean, other countries could, other citizens around the world could decide to do that, but you'd have to do it on a big enough scale that it, it sent the message home. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Maybe having people from other countries does bring more energy. I, I can vouch that as soon as I cross the border, I feel better. As <laughs> soon as I cross into Canada, that does not mean that violence doesn't happen. And there's bullies and there's bullies and racism in Canada. Of course. And, um, and when, and I should, in fairness, say when I do go to America, I rarely meet people who aren't, who do not treat me with great deal of welcome and respect. Yeah. And uh, it's a very friendly, um, positive place on a lot of levels, but yes. it has unresolved hate and unresolved anger without reparations. I don't see how that's going to go away. Number one is reparations. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't see when we're going to have reparations as long, as long as you have 70 million Republicans. Right. Well, there's, there's 75 uh, millennials going to vote the next election. Let's hope that they aren't all gun toting millennials. Uh, or I don't even know if they're called millennials anymore. Twenty-one year olds. Or let's hope they aren't all off off playing go in their own I in their know. own thing, doing their own thing, and not paying attention to oh, uh, the know. bigger picture. Or more than we know, Eugene, kids know exactly how shitty this society is. Even when they're part of it, they know it's shitty. Even when they're going to go and sell their souls for their, you know, work for corporate America. I mean, the the go players, they knew how shitty their life was going to be when they couldn't play go. That's that was their biggest shitty part was, oh, fuck, I'm not going to have this wonderful feeling I have playing go. I'm going to have to go into that horrible world full on to that society. Yes. And they know it in high school. Yes. And there's a certain amount of regret. Like when, when Ben Lockhart talks about what he's doing, he says, well, what else would I do? This is the one thing I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody have- can see I'm better than everybody else here. Yeah. I've got to I've, I've got to invest more time and effort into this. Mm hmm. And I mean, surely he could become a teacher and and in a high school and have a go program, but that's not his calling. Well, that's he's, his he's calling. now teaching go private lessons. Well, there you go. Well, that's good. That is good. And probably making a living. He's probably making a living, and you know, it would be amazing if he would also volunteer in a high school, and in a high oh, risk yeah. neighborhood or something. And I mean, obviously, I, I, I so you're not going to like you said. It seems impossible to do reparations. It seems impossible to do, um, uh, what did we just say? Oh, NRA. That's not going to change. The problem is people need to start saying that. It, we know that. So go and think of something else. You're gonna. Ha- that's problem solving. That's how a miracle happens. That's how innovation happens. So you can't do it with the NRA's permission. 
You have to find another way to make life bearable in the United States for children. All the children, the ones being bullied. Well, you know, I thought also while I was watching the film that, you know, these guys are trying to popularize this game from uh, Asian culture, Mm. Asian cultures um, in America. And at the same time, we're seeing a segment of people in America who are tremendously xenophobic. Oh, yeah. And and who don't want any of of anybody else's culture messing with theirs right you know and there's even there's even uh the wacko right with their replacement theory ideas mm-hmm. you know it's like i could see that that there would be people who would be violently upset if 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 go did get popular right well during the last um few weeks it on top of that school shooting in texas there was a shooting in buffalo and in california So the one in Buffalo was a racist crime. It was a white nationalist who shot up a store. And then in California, it was against um, Taiwanese Christians. So it was anti-Asian. I I don't know why the person chose that place. Or was it something intergroup? I mean, you know, it's just a very, very sad way that conflict is getting worked out. Yes. This is this is true. If you would like to contact us here at the agency, please email us anytime at the agency.podcast at gmail.com. I would check to see if you send us any email, but the good folks, the Mandarins at <laughs> Gmail won't let me access our our email. So Candy, have we got any mail? Oh my God, I better look, right? I guess you better. I didn't, I should look. You're now the executive in charge of mail. I know. I really should look before we start our podcast recording. Uh, (laughs) Here it comes. Let's see. Give me a sec. There's probably somebody offering us uh, SEO services. Probably. They probably noticed that our website wasn't as robust as it could be. Do we have a website? No. But I get lots of them. Because if we do, I, I didn't know. Okay, I see a nothing. No. Nope. <sighs> Security alert. That's you logging in. <laughs> <laughs> it's going, I've got a critical security alert. You choose yeah, to log me. in. It, this is bullshit. What happens if we travel and then we can't log in because we're not in Chicago? It means that we have to... Um, I have to be able to say, okay, I'm going to try to log in and it will send you a number and then you text the number to me and I put the number in and right. it all has to happen very quickly yes. because they're we smart enough do, to. But, yeah, but it shouldn't matter that um, we're checking email in Toronto or Chicago. It shouldn't matter. That's the point of email and the internet. So you can travel and check your mail anywhere. Well, yes, but of course they they're on to us. They know that you have set up this email account and I am trying to access it. Right. But they don't Which should be you're, okay. You're using the password and the email. It doesn't make any sense. It thinks you probably shouldn't no have ever to... given me that password. <laughs> <laughs> I just like it that our only email was security alerts. <laughs> Alas. So I know you tried to log in three or four times. <laughs> 
every I now just, and then I try for if stories, I'm home, you know? they'll have to text me and then I will do it. Yeah. But I think we've got to look at the settings and see if there's something we can change on that because it just doesn't make sense. Because what if you travel to Vietnam? You should be able to check your email. Yes. If I travel to to Toronto, am I not going to be able to, to log in? If there are any techie folks out there who aren't just <laughs> SEO experts and could also tell us how to Tim, foil, Tim. Uh, foil Gmail, uh, that would be really good. And uh, then we would know how to do it. Yes. I did not hear yet from the Chicago Go Club, but I only emailed them yesterday. Oh, yeah. They're probably too busy playing to answer emails. They probably are. Probably no one's emailed them, so they don't even check. I know. I'm sure that they never <laughs> check. They're probably like security alert, security alert. <laughs> well eugene i really enjoyed that movie an awful lot it was great to see a different well you know i think it was life. a good movie because it was it was at its heart a movie about some well it was a coming of age story wasn't it yes it was <laughs> <laughs> and you know how we feel about coming of age we stories love them age we just story. love them but so, yeah that's it know. so we got to follow this group of of uh, young people as they were trying to figure out what to do with their lives and yes. go just happened to be at the center of it right they could have been skateboarders they could but have been they were on a you know and the go thing added a whole bunch of fun to it and the um cross-cultural and everything you know very interesting so very we're going to be back at you with yep. more fun and excitement next week all right talk to you soon Bye.